pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 300. Today I'm going to chat with Julie Golub, discuss an outrageous new ban moving in California, highlight a new bipod from MDT, and talk about how your ducks may finally be in a row if you have an iPhone. I am your host, Ava Flanell. Julie, welcome to the 300th podcast. It is awesome. Congratulations on the huge, you know, accomplishment. 300's big. Yeah. It's, I mean, I was telling you off air that it only took like a little over five and a half years to get to this episode, which you would think that 300 episodes would take less time, but that's exactly how long it takes like to put out a episode every week, once a week. And it's pretty crazy. And yet I still like screw up and I don't feel comfortable even recording my own podcast sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't think people realize how much work it takes until they actually like try to start one and they're like, Oh my gosh. Right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> There's so much that goes into it. It is. Yeah. And uh, like, I've had a lot of people tell me that they want to start their own podcast and I'm like, okay, well, it's a lot of work. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't typically get past 20 episodes. So it is really hard really? to keep that momentum, especially when you're creating content and you're like, okay, no one's listening. Oh, good. We had five new listeners, you know? So right. it's just, like anything, you know, you just have to keep going and then hope that it pays off. And, you know, and and what sucks is sometimes it doesn't, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm just happy to be here. Happy to reach 300th. And the reason why I asked you to join me today is because I asked my editor to go back through all the episodes and look to see, you know, which episodes were the most downloaded and you came in the top five. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, you know what? You've been a huge role model for me for years, and I couldn't think of anyone better to have on for my 300th episode. So I was like, let's do it. And I reached out and just really happy that you can join me for this. So thank you for that. Oh, anytime. I love it. I love chatting with you. You know that. Yeah. Okay. So before we get started, we're going to talk about our favorite company, Smith & Wesson. Mm-hmm. I know you are overcoming an injury or, or uh, you just recently within the last couple of months had a surgery. So you haven't been able to shoot too many guns up until recently, but like out of the last, you know, six months, all the products that Smith and Wesson has launched, what would you say your favorite gun is? First of all, it's been such a fun year for Smith. There's been so many different products, like mm-hmm. ones that I never thought we would ever make. Yeah. <laughs> like like a pistol caliber carbine. Hello, that's awesome, right? And and 10 millimeter. But because I haven't been able to shoot much, and it, this was actually the first gun that I took to the range and was able to shoot both hands with after shoulder surgery. I have to say, I love the five seven so much. Yeah. <laughs> have you shot it a bunch? Oh, I have. Yeah. It's honestly the way that it was designed is I don't think any other gun on the market is designed with that, you know, the rotating barrel, whatever that's yeah. called. I mean, that's something that I think it, what is it? Tempo, tempo, rotating yeah. tempo barrel or something like that. That yep. is a game changer. And I've said this before. I mean, 5.7 doesn't have a lot of recoil as it is, but with that barrel and the way that 
the gun, you know, like all the movements and stuff that happen with that gun as you're pulling that trigger or lack of movement anyways, it just makes all the difference. And it feels like you're shooting a 22. It does like a super powerful 22. Yeah. I shot it. I went out to the range and I shot it at 15, 25, 50, 75, and 100 yards all offhand. And it shoots so flat. You don't have to have any holdovers out to a hundred. And I can't wait to shoot it even further to see, you know, man, can I shoot this out to 200 yards without you know, having to have to hold off on a target? That would be crazy, right? Yeah. Out of a handgun. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That's actually really incredible. Like how far do you think that caliber would typically go? Well, it's going super fast. Um, I can't remember the direct ballistics on it, but I want to say, oh, it's probably, well, well over 1300. Actually, I have a box right here and it doesn't say on there from Federal. Federal's 40 grain is just American Eagle's, you know, simple round, nothing fancy, no frills. And I think that you wouldn't have any issue going out to 150 with it for sure. If you were hunting, let's say we're hunting hogs or doing something of that nature, Mm -hmm. varmints, that sort of thing. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I've shot a, a shield pistol out past 200. So this would be even easier than that. But I did mm-hmm. have to hold off quite a bit with a nine millimeter. But this would be it would be fun to, to see. I'll have to put that on my to do list. Yeah, absolutely. OK, so now you're encouraging me. I want to go to the range and see if I can do that. If I could just absolutely. like, you know, like, OK, look at me. I'm Julie. How how big were your targets? Oh, <laughs> Well, I was using a Caldwell AR 500 Ipsic steel target. Oh, nice. One. Okay. So, and because here's the thing, the further out you go, the harder it is to see the target. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I have to agree. So I think that that's my biggest issue is just seeing the target because my eyesight mm. isn't that great. And I do wear contacts and have glasses and it's still changing. Even at almost 37 years old, my eyesight is still changing. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have yeah. gotten LASIK at this point, but it's frustrating. But okay, cool. So I also have Caldwell targets and maybe I'll make a YouTube video of it and I'll be like, okay, here I am following in Julie's lead and let's see if I could do it as well. <laughs> you can go and shoot 300 yards to celebrate your 300th episode. Okay, let's not get carried away. You know? <laughs> Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I probably could. Let's, yeah, I'm going to see if I could do that. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. All right. So getting to the rest of the show. So for listeners who may not be familiar with what you do, can you just kind of fill us in? Yeah. Basically, um, a professional competition shooter. So I started out competing as a junior competitor when I was in high school, was recruited to shoot for the Army shooting team out of high school, and then eventually made it a career within the industry. And, you know, basically a pro shooter travels around the country, sometimes internationally, to compete at various different matches. I shoot action-oriented events, so lots of drawing from a holster and shooting multiple targets with multiple shots. USPSA, IDPA, there's lots of acronyms out there. (laughs) But basically, that's what I get to do. And then, of course, share that and help promote the shooting sports and help encourage others to learn how to shoot better, uh, representing a bunch of different awesome companies within the industry. Very nice. And how long have you been doing this? I've been competing for over 30 years and I've been in the industry for over 25. So Wow. 
That's crazy. Do you think, and this might be, I was actually, I wanted to ask you this and then I was like, well, would I ask a guy this? I mean, I, I would, but like, do you think, cause I'm actually genuinely curious because I wonder about this for myself is, you know, how far can I take my career and at what point am I not going to be able to shoot anymore? But then you see shooters like Jerry, who's in his seventies, I believe. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, you know, cause people also ask me this and it really wasn't much of a concern until I guess people started asking me, they're like, well, what are you going to do in like 10 years, 15 years? And I'm like, I'm going to keep doing it. I don't know. Is this something that you've thought about or am I the only person and do I just have, am I surrounded by people that are just jerks? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a valid question. You know, when you look at other professional athletes, they all have like a, you know, a, a timeline, right? They know that they're going to be retiring at a certain point. And I think with the shooting sports, it's a little different mm-hmm. because there are many different shooting sports. So I think for me, it's not as realistic for me to be able to be as competitive with a lot of the younger athletes out there in the the very physical shooting sports. I have to work so much harder and I have to perhaps specialize in one division in order to do that well. But there are other shooting sports that, you know, focus on accuracy and don't require you to have to be able to you know, run, jump and do crazy things that make, make you, you know, cringe a little bit Mm -hmm. after you turn 40. (laughs) So there are plenty of of things out there. What's really also neat about the shooting sports is that there are categories for age groups as well. So obviously you have juniors, right? But then you have senior or grand senior. So people who are maybe no longer as spry as they used to be can still continue to compete against their peers, which is really nice. Hmm. Okay. That's good to know. I actually didn't know that they had different age levels, but then again, I'm not a pro shooter. I'm just somebody who really enjoys guns, likes talking about them. You know, I've gotten into politics in the last year, stuff like that. So I was like, well, if anything, I'll be like a consultant. You know, if somebody wants to come out with a new gun, I'll consult as to what I think they should improve or, you know, but it is, it is kind of a genuine concern that I I do think about sometimes, but you recently had, you said it was rotator cuff surgery, right? Yeah. How did that, I mean, it took you quite a while to recover from that for you to even move your arm and then. I saw, you know, on your social media, a few people are like, well, why don't you shoot it? And you're like, well, I can't shoot right now. I haven't gotten approval from the doctor, but tell me a little bit about that and some of the things that you had to go through. So I've had some issues with shoulder pain over the past couple of years and and I would get a cortisone shot to just deal with it once a season. But I went to see my shoulder person, <laughs> my shoulder doctor, and he said, hey, let's have an MRI. And, and um, we found that I had a full tear, which was concerning because obviously if you have some sort of major issue with your shoulders, your muscles can atrophy. There's lots of little muscles in your shoulders. So we decided to jump right to it and, and have surgery. And so I had arthroscopic and open shoulder surgery. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of people don't understand about our shoulders in general is there's a couple of different types of injuries that you can have and a couple of different types of surgeries that you can have. If you're lucky, you can do both like I did. (laughs) But basically, I can't pinpoint a specific moment of when my shoulders started bothering me. More uh, likely, it's a wear and tear issue. I mean, I've shot over a million rounds throughout my career. So 
you know, it's, it's bound to happen at some point. And uh, yeah, so I'm fixed Well, getting fixed recovering. <laughs> wow. And is this something that you plan for? Were you like, okay, well, let's do it next month. That way I could record a bunch of content before I have to do it. Or was it something that they were just like, hey, you need this immediately? You know, we're going to plan for it like in a week or two. It was more like that. I had it the week before Christmas. Wow. <laughs> I went in and said, hey, my shoulder hurts. We had an MRI. And he's like, hey, let's get you scheduled. And and I had wanted originally to say, hey, let's wait until June because then I can compete at the Yankee Cup and I can schedule my year accordingly. And he's like, nope, let's get it done. And so uh, that's that's kind of how it happened. But uh, it was it was definitely a scrambling couple of weeks to try to get as much done as possible because once I had the surgery, I wasn't allowed to move my arm for six to eight weeks. So wow. it was uh, it was a lot of uh, and truthfully, I didn't even want to go to the range at that point. You know, there's so many. <laughs> there's so many things that you, you know, only so much that you can do with one arm and having it strapped to your body and completely immobilized. Mm -hmm. And so it's definitely, it was, it's definitely been a long haul of not being able to shoot or having, when I did get to recover enough to go to the range and just shoot one handed, weak handed, and even then it was a challenge because you don't realize all the things that you do with your other hand while you shoot. Yes, you could stand there and shoot with one hand, but you got to load magazines, you got to load the pistol, you got to rack the slide. And I couldn't do any of those things for a very long time. Yeah. Well, I would also think that even, you know, if you couldn't move your arm for six to eight weeks, you, I think we don't realize how much we still, even if it's like bandaged to your body, we still tend to try to move that arm still. So it's like, you might as well play it safe and just like not you know, put yourself in that situation so that you can heal as quickly as possible. Oh, um, absolutely. I mean, they don't even want you to go running or, or doing anything that you would normally do to kind of move it just a little bit because mm -hmm. it could just ruin everything. Yeah. You don't want to go through it again. Absolutely. <laughs> so right after you had your surgery, I had to do something kind of similar with my shoulder and I wasn't public about it, but that's just because, and later on I told listeners and I was a little more public about it, but I live alone and I didn't want anybody to know that I was injured. And like you said, I mean, you can shoot one handed. Obviously, my gun's already loaded, ready to go. But I didn't want to be vulnerable and let people know that I was kind of like a sitting duck. And if I could so just. Smart. Yeah. So I wasn't public about it. But I've noticed now. So my surgery was back in February and I've only shot a gun. You're actually doing a lot better than I am. I've only shot a gun down twice. And then mm. I did shoot quite a few guns at Shootaw, but we're talking about, you know, a 50 cal that was mounted on a half track, the mini gun that, you know, I didn't really have to do much. I think the only gun that I really shot that I was like, okay, I felt it was the flux. And that was with a P320, but it wasn't. I don't know. I actually just uh, I messaged my friend who's an instructor and I'm going to take one of his classes, one of his pistol classes, because it's crazy how just in the short amount of time, how much you lose it. Like if you're not constantly practicing and I don't know if I'm alone on that or if you, you agree or not. So, you know, shooting is definitely a perishable skill, even when you're not handling, right? You just you have to mentally think about things in a different way. For me, I just shot a like half match last weekend mm -hmm. for the first time. And it was like, I was a wee baby bird. Yes, <laughs> like, I couldn't, 
like I, it, and this is a very, it's action pistol. So it has a fixed course of fire and I know exactly what my dot should look like on the target every time I pull the trigger and what it should feel like in the draw and the time limits. And I was just happy to hit the targets. I mean, not even the middle of the targets, just the targets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's crazy. And it takes, it does take a lot of time. So it's really important that you give yourself some grace and have some realistic expectations anytime that you're taking time off, whether it's taking time away for the winter or, uh, you know, unfortunately, if you have some sort of injury, yeah. it's crazy how much you can lose. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I'm going to take a quick break. Talk about Mantis. Do you have any experience with Mantis? I do not. So this, talk about it. Okay, so this actually probably would have been a really great device for both of us when we were healing. <laughs> and now I'm like, <laughs> oh, I should have used it more. <laughs> but instead, actually, I don't know about you, but I took the time to kind of relax, which lasted all of about two days. And then I was like, okay, I'm so bored. I've watched everything <laughs> on Netflix. I even watched like the really like just trashy shows, like the dating things and stuff that I always <laughs> rolled my eyes on, but I was so bored and I watched everything and I was like, all right, well, I guess we're going to watch, you know, love is blind and all the stupid things. And you get soaked up into all the characters and you start, you know, researching them on social media and checking out their Instagram and stuff. Like I was that person, <laughs> <laughs> but this would be a really great way to get people back into it. Or if, you know, you just don't want to spend the money going to the range or I've talked to a lot of people where the nearest range is like an hour away. Mantis has all these different devices that just make it really easy and fun to dry fire. And the best part is like they just recently came out with the Blackbeard X, which is for your AR-15. Dry firing an AR-15 was kind of a pain because you'd have to, uh, you know, to reset it and pulled the charging handle was just kind of a pain. So they have it where you take out the bolt carrier group and the charging handle and it's one piece that fits in there and it resets the trigger as you're shooting it. And what's great about it is in addition to like the normal analysis that it gives you based on your movement, it also tracks your delay to get on target and it gives you metrics on how you can increase your speed without affecting accuracy. And it's pretty eye-opening because I was even looking at like my movement and sometimes I'd go over the target or past the target before I'd go back and get back on target. And Mm -hmm. that's seconds. I mean, I, you know, especially I'm sure you can agree that when you can shave off just a few seconds on everything, it's going to make all the difference. If you guys want to check this out, definitely head on over to mantisx.com. The device that I'm talking about for your AR is the Blackbeard X. They also have the regular Blackbeard, but it doesn't have the capability to track your movement and give you that feedback. So I would say go with the X instead. All right. What are some things that you did to kind of get back into shape to be able to shoot again? So I basically followed everything that my physical therapist, you know, recommended. So a lot of band work, like the rubber bands that you have constant resistance, a little bit of very lightweight. I like, it's very hard to find a one pound weight. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I would use like a can of spinach or something like that. Channel my inner Popeye, right? Right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And a lot of just in the beginning just using a stick to move my arm because I couldn't do it. I had no strength at all and I couldn't engage those muscles. It wasn't supposed to either. So just building that up over time 
was really important. And now I'm slowly incorporating, you know, you can use a three pound weight now on that side and going through the motions of, of drawing and holding out the weight to kind of build up strength. And then, you know, using the weight to transition from target to target, like faux target to target from the wall in dry fire is really, really helpful. Dry fire is huge. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing that is for me that's hard is the recoil impulse is startling to me because it jolts my shoulder a little bit and it makes me nervous because mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been, you know, so not allowed to do anything for so long. Yeah, absolutely. I hear, a, I hear a puppy in the I background. Know. <laughs> I know. Every now and then Pete just decides that she has to say hi on the podcast. <laughs> it's because I have people I'm recording from my house today and it's because I have people all around my house fixing the landscaping, which I'll go into later on in the episode, but it's been kind of a disaster. But of course, with all the people that are nearby, she hears random sounds. So she's been barking, which I can't get mad at her for because look, she may not be able to protect us if somebody breaks in in the middle of the night, but she's definitely going to be my little alarm. I'm just going to, you know, I'm not punishing her for that. (laughs) I have to agree with everything that you're saying. I was the same way when I started working out again, I think I did two pound weights and I was like, this is embarrassing because I used to be like (laughs) the best in the class. I'd be here with my eight pound weights, you know, and, yeah. and I'm like, yep, here I am starting from scratch. And then I also just gained a bunch of weight too, because I felt like I was just sitting around eating junk food, watching, you know, trashy TV. <laughs> and, and it was like, now I'm, I'm trying to get back into it. I just started working out again recently, which I really just took my time with it because I really just, as much as I wanted to get back into it as quick as possible, a lot of that stuff might set you back. And, you know, I wanted to make sure everything healed well. And so I just started getting back into it and it's been kind of frustrating, but also, I mean, it is kind of amazing how your body does kind of have that memory to it. So getting back into it actually isn't as hard as some people might think, at least for me anyways. The only thing that I have to work on now is just really just like shooting. And I've noticed that even trying to control the recoil, that's been the most difficult for me. And it still kind of hurts a little bit when I shoot. I don't know if you feel a little bit of discomfort, nothing that's like, you know, raises red flags where, but I think it's normal to have a little bit of discomfort, maybe because that muscle isn't built up enough, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. For me, I'm very, very paranoid because obviously with a full tear, I just, if I tear it again, I may not ever be able to fix it. So it's one of those things where I've been very, very careful, but I feel like if I'm sore all the time, I'm doing good. Right. Mm -hmm. If I feel like I, you know, like you've had a good workout and you'd be sore, that's a good thing, but I never want to have like out sharp pain kind of thing. So that's kind of what I'm riding the line, but I totally agree with you. Like on the weight gain. And I mean, I bought a recumbent bike so they could just sit there and not move. And even that is yeah. not enough. <laughs> like when you're immobilized like that, it's, it's almost impossible, especially if it's, you know, it's been five months for me. I had mine in December. So it's like five months of not doing anything. And it's very, very frustrating mentally, mm-hmm. but it is good to get back into it. And it's, it is amazing how fast you can remember how you used to do things. And then it, it comes back easier than it would be than if you hadn't started it at all. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I've also noticed like this morning I worked out and I really didn't want to work out. I've only worked out twice now the month of June. And cause I have this little app and it shows me and I was like, cool, going on my second class for this month. That's great. 
But <laughs> sometimes I just tell myself like, hey, just show up. You can sit there. Of course, you're not going to sit there because I do a class. But really showing up is like really the hardest thing. But I will say like after you work out and you're all sweaty and stuff, like it's the greatest feeling ever. And then I do get a lot of like energy from it. And then I'm like, cool, I'm ready to go conquer my day. Whereas like, if I don't work out, I'm kind of like, uh, you know, still my bathrobe, drinking coffee, maybe it's 11 a.m. I'm like, all right, I should probably do something. <laughs> so it's just good to create good habits and like get back into it. And it is hard in the beginning, but like you do feel so much better. And yeah, yeah. I'm going to switch it up a little bit. And I wanted to talk about, actually, wait, there's one more thing that I wanted to say. I did kind of find it I don't want to say funny or amusing because it was more negative, but I was kind of thinking because we're both sponsored by Federal and Smith and Wesson. And I'm like, cool, we're both down at the same time because <laughs> like, I, I obviously let all my sponsors know like, hey, guys, I can't shoot. I'm not going to be able to shoot for like two and a half months. And then they're probably like, cool, you, Julie, you know, <laughs> like I'm sure they're like, great, awesome. But, but talk about great companies, though. So supportive and, you know, just like, no, just heal. No, just get back. Mm-hmm. You know, do, you, do what you need to do. And that's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. They definitely were very understanding. Switching it up a little bit, I wanted to talk about just some of the things that you've been faced with just in the last couple of years. Like your daughter has been sick and I haven't really seen too much about that. How is she doing? She's doing good. You know, this is a she has a rare disease called juvenile dermatomyositis for people who may not know. And it's a long haul. It's an, it's an autoimmune disease and it's where the immune system attacks the muscles instead of, you know, bacteria, viruses, the things that it's supposed to do. And so we've been on the, this road for over three years now, and we're on a three to five year plan basically. And so we just you know plug away and do our thing and and uh, we have monthly infusions and weekly shots of chemo and stuff like that. But I am so proud of her because she doesn't let it bother her. She's very, very positive. We even volunteered working matches a couple of weeks ago for Bianchi Cup and Flagler Cup, uh, two matches that I couldn't shoot, but she and her little sister and I all volunteered to work them. And so she was in the stat shacks, you know, like entering scores and and uh, she's she's really doing well. Thanks for asking. Nice. I love that. She probably gets it from you for, you know, staying so positive. I, I would like to think so. But, um, you know, I, she amazes me more like I would be angry. <laughs> I would yeah. be like, why me? Right. It's yeah. easy to do that. But she just she just takes it in stride. Right. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Well, I have to say I am, you know, constantly just in awe of like everything that you're accomplishing and, you know, I think, especially on social media, I think a lot of people look at content creators or, you know, professional shooters and they think like, wow, you have it so good. Like you guys get to shoot guns for a living and you just have it better than everyone else. But I think it's important to also highlight the woes that, you know, that come our way. And for people to realize, like at the end of the day, like we all are, you know, we're humans and we do have, you know, just like everybody else, like we deal with, you know, a lot of battles as well. And I do appreciate you sharing that with us. I think it's important, especially with the way that people handle their social media, they typically only post the good stuff. And I think it's important sometimes to post some of the the stuff that we struggle with just to show that like, it is okay to struggle and to have bad days. 
And so, yeah, I do appreciate you doing that. Thanks. I think it's so easy just to be an absolute egomaniac in today's internet world, right? Yeah. But when you try to just stay true to your values and your morals and, you know, share, I don't share obviously everything that I do on the internet, but I think when you're selective about what you post in thinking about how it could be helpful, Mm -hmm. I think that's even more valuable than entertainment, right? We all love to be entertained, right? (laughs) Who doesn't love that or or to laugh? Yeah. But I think it's also important to, you know, share stuff that's real because like, as you said, we're all human. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. A friend of mine recently asked, she's like, why don't you post more stuff without makeup on? And as much as I want to show the world what I look like without makeup on, which don't get me wrong, it's not like I cake it on. I actually don't wear a ton of makeup, but I was like, well, my whole thing is like, if I don't wear makeup out in public, then nobody recognizes me. And I just kind of want to keep that for myself. (laughs) Well, it's funny. Like it's a uniform, right? If if you think about it, it's your, it's your work, like uniform. It's what you would do for work. And a lot of other content creators have been successful just sharing their life. Mm -hmm. Well, what you do is you're not just sharing your life. You're sharing guns, gear, shooting sports, you know, safe, responsible gun ownership, tips, tricks, all that stuff. It's not like the day in the life of of Ava, right? I agree. (laughs) So it's a little different. It's like, Every picture I have for like decades is me wearing a jersey, a shooting jersey. And, you know, a lot of people would be like, why don't you ever wear anything else? I'm like, well, this is what, this is my uniform. This is my work uniform. And you're right. When I'm not, when I'm not wearing my uniform, people would hardly know who I am. Yeah. I mean, I say that jokingly, like I say that like, oh, people won't recognize me, but I've totally been recognized. And like, honestly, I don't really care if they see me without makeup on, but it is one of those things where I guess I just like to be more professional about it. And Mm -hmm. thinking back, like when I went to college, I went to an all women's college, my freshman year, and we went to go toward the college, my mom and I, and there was a lot of women that were wearing pajamas in class. And my mom told me, she's like, I hope you never wear pajamas in class. Like, even though it's all women, there's no guys that you have to impress. I don't want you to wear pajamas because I think it's so rude, like for the professor. And that always stuck with me. And so I never wore pajamas ever to class in public, anything like that. But as far as makeup, yeah, I don't give a shit. Like, I don't, (laughs) I don't really care. I think, you know, when I run errands and stuff like that, I don't know. And I think it also just goes along the lines of like, I pick and choose what people can see of me, but I still have that side of me that is personal and that's for me and I don't have to share it with the world. Right. I'm going to take another quick break. Talk about gators. I don't know if you've ever tried Gators iPro, but it's pretty life-changing. Recently, I went to Utah. And Julie, have you ever been to Utah? Oh, yes. It's gorgeous, right? All of Utah is gorgeous. <laughs> it's, so I was in Provo, which is like an hour away from Salt Lake City. I don't know which direction. Mm-hmm. But I would be lying if I said that I didn't almost get into like a few car accidents because I was literally driving, looking up the mountains. Like I was that person in New York City that they tell you not to be when you're visiting like a tourist <laughs> where you're walking, you're just looking at the skyscrapers. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And so I'm driving, looking at the mountains, and I'm just like in awe. Like Colorado has mountains, but in Colorado Springs, they're just so much farther away. Whereas 
in Utah where I was, it was like up close, like you felt like you could just reach out and touch them. And they were still snow capped and just freaking gorgeous. Like I could not get over just how pretty. And I noticed probably like on the second day because I was wearing my gaiters, the aviator ones. And I noticed I had to take my glasses off or something. And I looked around and I was like, oh, it doesn't look as vibrant. And then I put my glasses back on and I realized like how much the lenses were intensifying everything. Mm. It was crazy. Like, and I was like, well, maybe because they're polarized, but really that wasn't it. So I did some research because, and I even, I had some of the people that were with me trying my glasses and I'm like, look at the difference. Like it just made everything so much more clear, more vibrant. Like it was something that is almost undescribable. And I looked into it and I was like, okay, why is this, you know, happening? So Gators has done like a bunch of research to optimize the filters and their polarized lenses to make the image better. Even the mil-spec ballistic lenses, you don't have the polarization, but you still have the optimal light transmission. So the colors look way better than other glasses. I would definitely recommend if you guys are going on a trip or if you're going, you know, sightseeing, like not only are they amazing on the range and they really clarify that target, especially if you're shooting outdoors, but like they also intensify just like everything. So I highly recommend if you're sightseeing, it's amazing. If you guys want to check them out, head on over to gators.com forward slash Ava. And with that link, you are going to get 15% off. Julie, so I have to ask, and I think I've asked this the last time that you were on, but when is your cookbook coming out? Oh, well, thanks for asking. (laughs) You know, I have a bunch of recipes written down and I have this like doc on my computer that, you know, I'll jot things down, but I just never, I mean, writing a book takes so much work Mm -hmm. and writing a cookbook especially is very challenging because there's the formatting and there's like all the other little things you have to do and you have to test your recipes and everything else. And so it's a work in progress. I mean, eventually, even if I just like make a PDF and stick it on the internet, yeah, (laughs) I'll eventually get it done. But you know, everything gets to be so busy. I thought for sure being laid up after shoulder surgery, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get so many things done. Right. (laughs) But I was so brain frogged and groggy from the surgery. Anesthesia really affects me Mm -hmm. Um, for weeks. Like I couldn't even read a book. I would like, I couldn't focus at all. And then I also couldn't type with my right hand. And so typing one handed is impossible. And editing text to talk stuff just makes me crazy. So I basically did like you and spent a lot of hours on Netflix. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, the best intentions like, yeah, I'll be able to do all these things, but it's not, it's not going to happen this year. Let me just say that much. (laughs) Yeah. You know, what's funny. I had, I was thinking the same thing. Like I, Cause you also, you write for a lot of publications. And so I hit up, you know, some of the magazines that I write for. And I was like, Hey, if you guys want me to write an article, I'll be, you know, taking like the next two and a half months off. I'll have plenty of time, but it's weird that you also mentioned that anesthesia messed with you because it did me as well. I remember like for like two weeks, it was weird. It like, it almost felt like it like shifted my brain or something. Like, even though I knew Well, for one, okay, the first week, you know, the doctor tells you like kind of walk around and stuff, like keep your blood flowing. And Mm -hmm. it was hard to even walk around. Like I only trusted myself walking in my house. I didn't even want to walk around my neighborhood because my, like I'm trying to describe exactly how I felt. Like it was almost like my, 
my like surroundings and stuff, it was just mush. Like I couldn't figure out what was going on around me. And again, I didn't want to be a victim or put myself in danger. So I was like, uh, I'm not even going to walk down the block. Like it just, it seemed unsafe to me. And then like for a few weeks after, like there was things where suddenly like my brain would kind of do something weird. And I knew that I was doing it wrong, but there was like a disconnect between what I wanted to do in my brain. Did that happen to you? Or is this because I talked to the anesthesiologist about it later on. And she was like, oh, that's weird. That shouldn't happen. But I was like, it just felt like it was in my system for a long time. I find that it affects me a lot. And I've had another friend who had surgery as well. And she explained the same thing. And I, I think I read some article somewhere that women might be actually a little bit more susceptible to some after effects of mm-hmm. anesthesia. But for me, I was literally like, one, when I could move, I had to have someone like, hold my arm and like walk me around like driving this daisy. You yeah. Know, like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I had an escort everywhere for a long time. And you know, the things that you take for granted when you are unable to do them, it gives you a very unique perspective. And I think it's really helped me, especially understanding how to be a better instructor, a better shooting instructor. Mm-hmm. Because all my life I've been like, hey, you need to learn how to grip it this way. Hey, you need to be able to rack the slide. It's not that hard. Yeah. Well, being completely immobilized, it made me realize, you know, I needed a little bit more empathy in, in what I do because, you know, you just don't know until you're in those types of situations. But, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. That's exactly when I finally got back to teaching. And I was racking the slide back. And this was the first time that I was racking a slide back was in class. And mm. a part of me was like, uh, I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I have the strength <laughs> to do it. And I'm like, you're in front of all these students. You need to do it. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, the whole push, pull, bring it close to your body. So you're not using upper body strength. Like, no, it made me realize like you are still using upper body strength. You're using less by keeping it, you know, a little bit closer to you. But it actually did. I kind of had like a aha moment where. I was like, am I becoming kind of like, you know, some of the male instructors where they're like, no, just do this, you know, just, just rack the slide back. And you're like, no, you can't, it's not that easy for women. But then I realized that like people who have maybe arthritis or, you know, maybe they're older, it really isn't just about bringing it closer to your body and doing that push pull and the way that you grip it. And it actually kind of made me rethink a lot of things that I teach again, like everything that you're bringing up, I'm like, wait, were we like in the same body? Did we have the same? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wrapping it up. So what do you have planned for the future now that you're like back to, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say you've made a full recovery yet. You're obviously still getting your feet wet, but now that you're kind of, you know, back into shooting guns again and stuff, have you signed up for any more matches and like, what are your plans? Sure. I have my first major competition in August, which will give me a lot of good time to just kind of build back up into things. Um, And I have several matches planned from August, September through October. And I almost expect it to be, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have any crazy awesome goals for this year. Let me just put it this way. You know, it's, it, my goal is to, you know, build back up and, honestly, you know, reassess and reevaluate everything that I've been doing because I have this whole new clean slate. like everything, like I'm a newborn baby, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to look at a lot of my techniques in that sense and, and then, you know, hang out for the year and, and go get them 
and plan for, you know, 2024. Yeah. Be a big year. Absolutely. Nice. You've also, I think I've touched upon this the last time I had you on my show, but you've also written a children's book. Was it just one or is it multiple? Nope, just one. Just one. Okay. And you've done a bunch of other stuff. You have a blog and all of that good stuff. If anybody wants to purchase your book or read your blog or follow you on social media, what are all your handles for that? Sure. It's really easy. It's just juliegolub.com, J-U-L-I-E-G-O-L-O-B. And then at Julie Golub is uh, my handle for Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all that good stuff. And everything you can find links to on my website. But thanks. Thanks for sharing. Okay. Awesome. All right. Moving forward with the rest of the show, BSF Barrels. In addition to really cool carbon fiber barrels that they make, they also have bolt carrier groups and they have them available for AR-15s, AR-10s, and either black nitride or nickel boron finishes to choose from. In the AR-15, you can get them for standard 5.56 300 blackout as well as 6.5 Grendel and 9mm for anywhere from $169 to $189 depending on the finish, which is a pretty good deal for a quality bolt carrier group. In the AR-10 platform, they range anywhere from $189 to $229, which is even more competitively priced for a good, you know, AR-10 bolt carrier group. Those are all in stock right now, available at bsfbarrels.com. Remember to use the code ELITE15, that's E-L-I-T-E-1-5, all one word, and you're going to get 15% off your entire order. Today in politics. Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political AF. Have you been keeping up to date with everything that's going on in politics, Julie? I know it's probably hard to, like, there's just so much going on in every state that it's kind of out of control. It's overwhelming. Washington, Oregon, Colorado, California, New York, New Jersey. I mean, it's even in the states that don't have issues, there are these bills that pop up. Illinois, my goodness, it's crazy. I know. Even the stuff that's going on in Texas right now, like there are states Mm -hmm. that you're like, oh, it's untouchable. Like there are so many freedom loving people, you know, that live in that state. They're not going to allow it. And it's like, they're still trying to pass stuff. That's why I've said this multiple times, like no state is safe. And It's really important to stay active and know what's going on because if you get complacent, it's going to pass before you know it. I mean, like Colorado used to be extremely red state and they just passed like three major gun bills this year. It's just it's very frustrating. So definitely, you know stay up to date with what's going on, especially locally and in your state. But in California, so the Senate passes bill to ban all new pistols. The California Senate passed SB 452 recently in Democrats' latest attempt to drastically extend gun control in the state. Catherine Blakespear sponsored the bill and argues that the bill simply puts the use readily available technology to help law enforcement catch criminals. She was referring, of course, to micro-stamping technology, which does not exist anywhere on any fire manufacturer today. California already has micro-stamping requirement in order to add a new firearm to the state's approved handgun roster, which, as it is, 
I don't think there's been a new handgun <laughs> added in yeah. forever. Yeah. Since the technology doesn't exist, the approved list has only shrunk since then. California Attorney General Kamala Harris put the micro-stamping law into effect. The law and other aspects of the Unsafe Handgun Act are currently being challenged in the Ninth Circuit and have a preliminary injunction against it. That hasn't stopped Democrats from trying to push even more legislation. This new law, now going to the House Assembly for consideration, will ban all semi-automatic sales or transfers after 2027 if they do not have non-existent micro-stamping technology. The Assembly is certain to pass as it has an overwhelming three-fourths majority, and of course, Governor Newsom, who co-sponsored the bill, is sure to sign it. The outcome of the Bolin versus Bonta case will set major precedent in this case, and given the granting of the preliminary injunction, we're likely to see the judge rule against the law. If you're out in California, even though I said it's probably likely to pass, I would still encourage you to write your representatives and tell them to oppose this so that, you know, we can get it on record. But this is also, I mean, kind of within that same realm. This is also one of the reasons why I'm not really a big fan of smart guns. One, I've seen them, you know, have plenty of issues. Even the smart gun uh, biofire that came out, they've recently, I mean, they're doing a hell of a marketing like plan right now where they're getting a lot of content creators that have really large following to come out with like their own guns where it's like a different color or something like that. But I've heard that even biofires had some issues where they got together with content creators and the gun wouldn't work and then they had to reschedule it. As much as I'm like, oh, okay, there's some pros and cons to smart guns. The reason, the biggest reason why I'm kind of like eh, iffy about this is I think that if it does become a thing and, you know, it starts to gain traction, I think that this is going to be a way for lawmakers that are going to say like, okay, well, now that, you know, these smart guns exist, this should be the only gun that's allowed. This should be, you know, like I could, I could almost see something like that happening in the future. And it kind of freaks me out because how many times do we, you know, pick up our phone and something doesn't work on it, or there's not that like the face recognition, which I don't, Julie, what kind of phone do you have? Do you have an iPhone and Android? I do. Yeah. IPhone. An iPhone. Well, how many times have you like in the middle of the night, you have your phone that looks at you, like you face your phone at you. It, it could figure out your freaking face in the middle of the night, but in the daytime, when you need your phone, like in a hurry, it's like it doesn't recognize your face. And you have to put in that code. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. I don't know, it's kind of iffy. I'm really on the fence, but especially for this, the whole micro stamping thing. And I don't even know what it's really going to solve, because even now with guns having serial numbers on it, that doesn't really help people figure out where the gun came from and who it was passed down to. So I don't even know what this is really going to help. Well, it doesn't solve the problem of criminals doing bad things with guns, right? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it makes no, it doesn't solve anything. Exactly. You know, it's, it's I like, mean, once again, the gun gets stolen, it's used in a crime. Like, okay, so you know who the original owner is. Great. That isn't the person that committed this crime. So right. yeah, I agree. It's just like a lot of these laws that are being passed. It just, it doesn't make any sense and it's not really enforceable either. But yeah, I don't know. Caldwell, so you mentioned their steel. Have you also tried out 
there like the tack driver X bag? If you've done any, yes. So I, I I don't, I don't use it for what you're going to talk about. I suspect, but I love it. (laughs) Okay. So now I need to know what do you use it for? (laughs) Well, I mean, I love it for just resting your shoulder on. No, (laughs) I'll bet you that too. (laughs) I feel like a lot of people, and this is a recommendation that I make for people who are like, Oh, my gun's off. It always shoots low left for me. Right. Mm -hmm. What's wrong with it? So I often tell people you need to bench your gun. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be shooting at a thousand yard targets. You can be shooting at five yards but you're going to be putting, you know, a stable platform in place so that you are not going to do anything that's going to disrupt the sights as you pull the trigger versus standing there on your own two feet with two hands or one hand shooting offhand where you're likely to do something after the shot breaks or during the shot process. So I love to, you know, tell people like, oh, well, you know, have you tried benching your gun and seeing if you can shoot a group that way and see what happens? Because It'll often tell you that it's often you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Bravo. So, yeah. Yeah. That's actually a really, I mean, that's like a great suggestion because it, a lot of times it is user error and it's not your sites. I mean, there's been a few, few, sure. few instances where my sites were slightly off, but typically they're typically not. So that actually is, that's a great use of uh, the TAC driver X bag and they have all kinds of other bags. But what I really like about the TAC driver X bag is it's shaped like an X and it has like leg like parts. And it also, it's filled with like plastic pellets. Let's say you are doing PRS and you know, there's like all kinds of crazy conditions. Maybe it's raining or something. You also have to shoot from like very odd barricades and you know and that's where like this bag definitely comes in handy but because it has the plastic pellets inside it's not going to absorb anything so if it does get wet it's it's not gonna weigh 50 pounds yeah exactly yeah it's not gonna be <laughs> that's a really good point too yeah they have an adjustable strap and rubberized bottom so it's grippy on any surface best of all it's only 59.99 which is a great price compared to similar bags but If you go to caldwellshooting.com and you use the code GUNFUNNY10, all one word, you're going to get 10% off your entire order, and that is caldwellshooting.com. Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. I realized last show, I told you guys that I was going to update you on what's going on with my foundation and landscaping. And I didn't even, I didn't mention it last show, but that's also because the builders have been taking their time repairing it. But Julie, I'll fill you in and fill in listeners who haven't listened to the last two episodes. So I bought a house in September and the builders, they grade it and they compact the dirt. And then, of course, you have to hire a landscaper. And I don't know if you've looked at prices of landscaping recently, but everyone initially, and I don't have a lot of property, but everybody initially was quoting me like 50000 for landscaping. Holy right. cow. Yeah. I'm starting to think I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> I mean, I probably, <laughs> but let's face it, I don't think I would survive like a day doing it. But... I finally found somebody who was a little less expensive, but keep in mind, it was not inexpensive. And anyway, so they did it at the beginning of October. They completed it. I didn't have any plants planted other than like a few trees because I knew that, you know, it probably wouldn't hold up that well over the winter. Anyways, 
May rolls around and May, we ended up getting 13 inches of rain, which is pretty incredible for Colorado, especially where I think in the last like 10 or 15 years, we've had a drought. So we got a ton of rain. And as a result, a lot of people's landscaping and soil shifted. Mine, for example, it dropped anywhere from, I think in some places it was like four or five inches to almost nine inches. And we're talking about all around my house. And actually what happened was I went to Utah. I came back, I was mowing my lawn and then like I stopped to rest or something. And then I looked at, you know, like my house on the ground and I noticed that all my landscaping, like it used to go up, you know, a lot higher and then it all kind of just like just sunk. And then I have these like concrete steps and stuff. Those all sunk probably about six inches. Everything's kind of off. And so I started like taking pictures and freaking out. And then around the same time, within like 20 minutes later, my neighbor comes knocking on the door and they're like, have you noticed that your entire like foundation is like shifted? And I was like, yeah, I just noticed that. And they're like, yeah, so as ours. And they were like this neighbor up here, like they can't even get out of their garage because the concrete in their driveway like moved. It's it's our entire street. And we contacted the builders and they were like, oh, we're going to fix it. They came out, looked at everyone's house and they're like, we're going to fix it. And they have their own landscaper. So they stopped by this week to like fix it. But I'm like, what are you guys actually doing to fix it? And they're just like, they're, you know, remedying like the areas where, you know, the grade so that if water does come down, it is going to slide off into, you know, it's going to go down into like this little like trench area. But I'm more worried about like, you know, long-term what's going to happen and is it going to affect my foundation, like my actual house? And so I had a foundation engineer come to my house and he looked at my house and he's like, yeah, everything's fine. But I think it's maybe too soon too. Like if there is going to be any issues, I do think maybe it's a little too soon to see like if there's going to be cracks that start to formulate or they were saying if you have any issues like closing your door and it doesn't fit into the door frame properly. Yeah, this whole thing has just been such a headache. And all I keep thinking is adulting sucks (laughs) 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 because it's literally always something. And it's like you buy a brand new house and you think, you know, I ended up getting all the upgrades because I was like, I don't want to deal with contractors in and out of my house. Well, that has not been the case because there's been so many issues that whether it's like, you know, they have to change out the countertop or replace cabinets or something happened to the floor. So it's just been like one thing after another and now the landscaping and I don't know, my other neighbor, they had some soil engineer come out and the soil engineer said the only way to actually fix this is to remove all the landscaping and for the builders to come in or, you know, the excavators to come in, build up the soil, compact it better because it's apparent that they haven't compacted it, which they said they can only compact it 90 to 95%. And if they did that even is debatable. And so it's like also like, cool, there goes my landscaping that I spent like over 30,000 on. And it's just, I don't know. And then you're also kind of wondering, there's like a statute that I was looking into. And after two years, builders aren't held liable for anything that happens. We do have a 10 year foundation warranty, but that's completely different. So I wonder if they're just trying to remedy it quickly, put a bandaid on it. And then hoping we don't get the kind of rain that we have, because that's not really common for Colorado. And then after two years, they're kind of like, oh, good, you know? 
I don't know. I honestly don't know what to do. So if I have any listeners that specialize in this, please contact me and let me know. Because at this point, I don't know. I have no idea. Do you have I, any? I have no, I have no idea. Either. I'm like, I'm I mean, like, Julie, yeah. this is where you step in and you're no. like, words of wisdom. <laughs> I know. Like I, at the, the only wisdom I have is like, I can tell you how much like a bag of mulch costs. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, um, you're like, uh, one word sell <laughs> <laughs> but it is crazy like all we you know it's stuff you really have to think about we lived in montana um for a number of years and it is not a flood zone where we lived yet we got so much rain that our entire road to our house like a regular road like fell away and it was like became this huge creek wow and and you, you know, you think about those things and we were on a hill. I'm like, Oh my gosh, what if our house slides up there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's stressful, you know, especially when you're a homeowner, it's hard. Uh, I I'm sorry to say I don't have any advice, but hopefully one of your listeners will be able to point you in the right direction. I know. Well, luckily, thankfully my neighbor, he's been doing a pretty good job. And he's like, look, like he was messaging me at like 11 o'clock last night. And he's like, my wife and I, we are prepared to go knocking door to door, letting people know. Because I also think that a lot of these homeowners, like we, they don't really have a lot of experience with this. And they're just like, well, if the builders are going to fix it and it's on their dime, like, okay. And it's like, they're not doing anything crazy. They're just like putting dirt underneath the concrete, you know, where it moved a little bit, filling it up and then putting some rocks on top. So it's like nothing that I think is going to be a permanent solution. And, and I don't think that they are aware of, you know, really like the damage that this could cause long-term, but the last thing I want is like the foundation to crack. And because that's like a whole other thing that I've never experienced that, but I've seen people experience that. And it's like to fix the foundation is a lot of work. So, yeah. So any listeners who are listening and you guys have advice, I definitely welcome it. Thank you in advance. (laughs) IWI. If you're into single double action pistols, definitely check out the Jericho Enhanced. It's the latest version of the popular Jericho with a number of enhancements. The new version has a new frame with adjustable back straps and an accessory rail. It also has a new hammer and trigger profile. In a lot of ways, it looks and feels a lot like a hammer fire version of the Masada, which I love. They come with 17 round mags and Nova sights. And best of all, MSRP is only $559. Don't forget to check out IWI.us website. And if you find anything in their web store, any accessories, anything like that, and I think you'd be surprised what you're going to find, but definitely check it out. But if you find anything, use the code gunfunny15, all one word, and that's going to get you 15% off your entire order. Tactic Talk, discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. Today in Tacti Talk, MDT introduces, I want to say it's like Grand Pod, but it doesn't have the, it's no vowels. It's just G-R-N-D. And Julie, do you have any experience with MDT? I think I have a few of their mags and some of their accessories. 
Yeah, not a lot. You know, obviously shooting so much Smith stuff, I don't generally branch out from that. But I've definitely heard of them. Yeah. They just came out with a really nice bipod. I don't have any experience with this. And I will say, actually, kind of side note, Caldwell also makes a really nice, like they make quite a few really nice bipods that are pretty affordable. But my editor, he put this in the show notes and I looked at it and I was like, actually, this sounds pretty nice. So basically the engineers at MDT, they took direct feedback from competitive shooters in the development and design to maximize versatility and premium features without the premium price. This bipod incorporates premium materials, including high-grade aluminum and carbon fiber. It has single-hand adjustments so that you can still have one hand on the gun and view the reticle to adjust the height and cant, which is something that a lot of bipods don't offer uh, because you typically need two hands to properly adjust Mm -hmm. it. The legs go as low as 4.5 inches and as tall as 9 inches. And the cant adjustment also has a locking lever so that you can keep it in place once you get your reticle leveled. Pretty nice. The whole bipod is only 15.3 ounces or 16.5 ounces for the Picatinny rail version. And then MSRP is $199.95. And if you guys want to check it out, check out MDT's website and they are selling them now. Stupid. Funny. Cool. Interesting. Awesome. As f- Never mind. AF. Okay, today's AF segment. So this is probably the best news of all time. <laughs> and you probably get this because you have an iPhone. And I will like to state, though, I am not one to curse that much. But I think we're all guilty of occasionally wanting to, you know, you're yelling at somebody and you did not mean to put ducking. Uh, so (laughs) the worst part of it all is, you know, especially if you're arguing with somebody and you hit send before you, you know, find out that you did not mean to put ducking in your sentence (laughs) and you're like, cool. Well, now I just look even, you know, even dumber. But anyway, so Apple just came out with a new, I guess, software update that, now allows you to they didn't they didn't come out and say that it allows you to curse but it does fix this but now okay cool so they just fixed this that's that's you know fine and dandy but i don't know if you've noticed this but i use talking text a lot on my iphone because a lot of times i'm just like going a million miles an hour and it's just so much quicker for me to just like press that little mic button and then record what i have to say and then press send I don't know when this change occurred, probably I'd say in the last like two weeks I noticed it, but now autocorrect puts periods and commas in your sentence for you. Have you noticed this, Julie? I never use like the text to talk. I'm like a total typer. I mean, I'm, I'm like grammar Nazi, so I put my own commas and periods in, but that's great. Okay. You would <laughs> think really it was, convenient. you would think it was great, right? Because one of the right? things that even last night, somebody was like, what do you look for in a guy? And I was like, and proper grammar and spelling, because I don't think that there's anything more of a turnoff than somebody who just has like this huge run on sentence. There's no commas. There's no periods. They don't capitalize the right, you know, letters. And it's just like, oh, and me being an English major, it's like the biggest turnoff in the world. 
And this person I was talking to, they're like, wow, that's really like, you need to lower your standards. And I'm like, maybe, (laughs) (laughs) but that's one of the things that bothers me. But me being a grammar Nazi as well, this is bothering me because if I even pause for a second while I'm doing the text to talk, it puts a comma. So now I have all these commas that I didn't want and I'm like, oh, it's so frustrating or it'll put a period and then capitalize. So it's like in between like one sentence, it has a period and then a capital word and I just look like an idiot. So I think talk to text, I think it's going to have to go. I think I (laughs) I think it's great that they just added, you know, where you're no longer saying ducking, but now with their new, you know, grammar thing, I think it's it's one of those things where it's like I just can't win. No, but yeah. yeah. Plus not to mention, let's just say that it does a good job at grammar. Now you're going to assume that the person that you might potentially be dating actually has good grammar. And then I fall in love with the wrong person. (laughs) (laughs) Right. This is actually, it reminds me of something kind of off topic, but did you hear, I read a few articles about this uh, years ago that birth control had the ability to make women fall for like the wrong person. And then mm-hmm. when women, when they got off birth control, they were like, what am I doing? I don't even really like this person. Like they weren't actually like, they didn't have that connection. Yeah. Huge, huge talk about this stuff. Yeah. yeah I was like, uh, actually, as soon as I read that, I got off birth control. I was, I don't know. It's, I feel like life's too short to fall in love with the wrong person. So make sure, you know, make sure they're not using autocorrect for their grammar and, uh, <laughs> And they're not on birth control when they, you know, walk down the aisle with you. (laughs) Right. (laughs) All right. Wrapping up last ad segment, Franklin Armory. Have you ever shot a binary trigger? I don't think I have, actually. It is so much fun. I don't want to compare it to a machine gun, but it really is kind of the closest that you can get to shooting something that's like kind of full auto that you're still doing legally. And well, full autos are legal. It just, you know, requires a tax stamp and a lot of money. I mean, least expensive full auto out there, I would say is like $15,000, $20,000. Or you could just, you know, get a binary trigger. And once you have the cadence down, you can shoot that thing really quickly where it does kind of feel like it's full auto. But Mm. it's just, it's so much fun. Like, I don't know if you know how binary works, but you pull the trigger, it releases around. And then as you let off on the trigger, it releases around. So for every regular, you know, trigger pull, you're shooting two rounds. And it's just, I don't know. I think it's just fun, especially because I'm sort of a, like, everything that I do, I have to perfect. So I just, I keep messing around with it until I get that cadence down. So it's really addicting, but they have, (laughs) they have triggers for everything. ARs, AKs, HKs, 22s, like there's something for everyone. So definitely check it out. That is franklinarmory.com. Don't forget to use the code AVA, that's A-V-A, and you're going to get 10% off your entire order. All right, wrapping up. So there's no iTunes reviews. So if you haven't left a review, please do so. If you guys want to find social media or any of that good stuff, just go to gunfunny.com. It's all located there. If you enjoy the show and you want to contribute in any way, consider becoming a Patreon. Just go to either patreon.com or go to gunfunny.com and click the support the show link. 
and you can make a one-time donation or a monthly donation. Also, Blown Deadline, he's given away a $300 gift certificate to a lucky patron each month. So if you want a really nice Cerakote job, definitely look to Blown Deadline. He does an amazing job, but if you're a patron, then it might actually save you quite a bit of money. Also wanted to thank the $25 patrons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Sake Holsters, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Callamore, Daniel Lee, Nick Theodosian, Tristan Smith, and Melissa Ridings. And king of the Patreon is Jon Snow. And I'm going to wrap up with this. So I wanted to have really good news for you guys on the 300th episode. I don't know if I'm ready to unveil that just yet, but there is good news coming. So be on the lookout for that. I think you guys will all enjoy it, though, and be happy that it's going to happen. And then also, Julie, thank you so much for spending the 300th episode with me. It's always great to catch up with you. And again, really appreciate everything you do in the industry, appreciate how positive you stay and just being such a good role model for women out there, which I think is much needed, especially in this industry. So thank you for all of that. Can you just remind listeners once again, where they can find you on the internet? Absolutely. Well, thanks again so much for having me. Uh, All my information can be found at juliegolub.com, J-U-L-I-E-G-O-L-O-B.com. All right, cool. All right, guys, I will talk to you next week and we're out of here. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.